Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Teach Me to Talk, the podcast. I'm Laura Mai, pediatric speech-language pathologist, and I'm so excited that you've joined me for today's show, which is number 208. And today we're going to be finishing up a series of shows that I started, gosh, I guess it was back in end of July, 1st of August, called Making Books Better. And just for your, to jog your memory if you're a longtime listener of the show, part one was show number 199. Part two was number 201, so if you haven't listened to those shows, you may want to go back and take a listen to those because what we're talking about today will really build upon the activities and strategies that I already discussed in those uh, other two shows. But before we get going with that topic, let me make a few announcements. Today, uh, September 30th, 2013, is the very last day of the pre-sale for my CEU DVD, boy, I have a hard time getting those initials in the right order, uh, for Early Speech-Language Development Taking Theory to the Floor. It's an expanded edition. It's a 12-hour DVD series, and today is the very last day of the pre-sale uh, special pricing for that series. So if you've not gotten that, I hope that you'll snatch that up because it's a great Great price, and the price goes back to a regular pricing tomorrow. I also want to announce the two uh, big conferences that I have scheduled this fall. First of all, I'll be in Baton Rouge, Louisiana on October 17th and 18th, and then in Charleston, West Virginia on November 7th and 8th. So if you need information about either one of those fantastic locations, you can check those details out at teachmetotalk.com, or if you just want to shoot me an email, at laura at teachmetotalk.com. I will be more than happy to get you those details. Okay. We have a guest to join me in this final segment of the series, Making Books Better, and it was perfect timing when she sent me her darling, darling little book called Making Mouth Sounds All Day Long, and I want to welcome speech pathologist Darcy Clayton. Hi, Darcy. Hi, Laura. Thank you for having me. such an honor to be here. Oh, you're so welcome. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. I thought it was, again, just perfect timing when you sent me the book. And sometimes I'll get books from people and I don't have an opportunity to respond or projects or whatever their uh, TPC link to that Teachers Pay Teacher store where they're sending me links to their projects. And I don't always have an opportunity to get to talk with someone about their project. And so, again, I just was so excited to receive that in the mail. And I emailed you right back and said, hey, I want you to be on the show because I think it's perfect uh, for talking about our topic today. And the last, one of the last strategies that I want to talk about when we're using books with toddlers is using the book to facilitate those easy early vocalizations and this is strategy nine for those of you who've listened to the first two parts of this series there are 10 strategies and all so we're almost finished but darcy's joining us to talk about how to use books in this way with children and darcy what inspired you to write this cute little book well i do love to use books with my my little 
children that I work with. And um, I use use books for lots of different things, um, like trying to elicit spontaneous language and to model specific target sounds, vocabulary, mm-hmm. you know, on and on. But I, I I thought it would be a really great idea to come up with a book that would actually model every sound in the English language, the uh, consonant sounds, the early, mid to late sounds, and have it all in one book. Um, wow. So parents could read it again and again and just provide a good speech model. They'd have an opportunity to model each of those sounds just in one book. So mm-hmm. that's where the jumping point was. So. You know, and I don't know that I even realized that until now. I went through it, and I've used it with one little friend of mine. Uh, But I don't know that I remembered you telling me that, is that you paid so much attention to vocabulary so that you were choosing words based on uh, the sounds included. Right. So, I mean, that's the first first layer of it. And then I just, I wanted it to, I wanted it to be a story. You know, I wanted it to tell a story because I also wanted to include many of the first words that we use when we're working with our little ones, um, when we're trying to elicit some sounds and some early words. And so um, I worked with my illustrator, Jill Frieswick. She was wonderful. And we also incorporated um, some pictures in the illustrations that also um, address those 25 words every two-year-old should know that the study by um, Bryn Mawr, the Institute at Bryn Mawr, right. they came out with that, a list. So there are a lot of those in pictures or in some of the words. And then a lot of those phrases when we're playing with kids, you know, up, up, down, you know, when you're playing right. with a slide. So what um, what I really had intended is, you know, for it purposefully to be very simple text and make those little early routines, those little early verbal routines that, Parents once once their kids started to anticipate what was coming next, that maybe they would start to say it, you know, after reading the book a few times, and then take right. things out into practice. You know, take it, you know, go out to the playground and practice up, up, down, or, you know, so that's basically well, think, how it all came together. Well, and I think any time that we can give parents, you know, parents observe us certainly when we're working with their children, and they certainly participate in sessions. But sometimes they don't quite know how to carry over what we're talking about unless we lay out some pretty clear instructions. And I love how your book does that. And it really does provide that framework so that a parent can continue to practice all of those things that you've just talked about, those early verbal routines and those early, um, those 25 words that two-year-olds should have based on that Bryn uh, Mawr College study. So I think it's a super, super tool uh, for parents to use in that way. So tell us about the, you talked about the art a little bit, and obviously our friends who are listening can't see the book, so why don't you tell us about the pictures? You mentioned your illustrator, so so describe the pictures for us a little bit, Darcy. Well, I mean, it's, I, when um, when Jill and I were talking about the illustrations, you know, I said to her that because the text is going to be so, so simple, the pictures really had to do a lot of the work. So right. I kind of described, you know, I, I wanted it to be appealing to, to little little ones. This book, the target is birth to two. However, mm-hmm. you know, it, it can be expanded into older ages, but initially it's for for the little ones, so I want, wanted them to just be very simple, bright, 
drawings, which I feel like she really did such a wonderful job with the colors. She did. You know, the kids the kids' faces are adorable. She right. really um really just captured exactly what I had in mind. So she has a there's a little boy excuse me, and a little girl and they are at the playground, so they're playing outside, so something that we hope all of our little friends get an opportunity to do. Right. And then, yeah, and they then they end up going home, and there are some pages about getting undressed, and then they have a little snack, and there's a cute little dog there. So, again, lots of familiar activities that our our little guys hopefully, are getting to do in their own everyday routine. So I loved that, too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and that's the other, there's like a little extra layer in there, whatever. It's It really is the typical day in the life of a little toddler boy and a little toddler girl. Um, but they have a little family puppy, and the puppy is experiencing the same events, but it's very often in a different way. So once, you know, the children are used to just, um, the text in the book and, uh, you know, hopefully the repetition, they're going to anticipate what's coming next. That's another layer that can be, you know, addressed later on. You know, we can do WH questions with it later on, you know, what happened or, you know, right. what comes next, that type of thing. But the, the puppy, the puppy's adorable too. She did such a cute job. He's always doing something different. Same thing but different experience, which is exactly. a little added layer. And I'm looking through, and again, even the little, and you mentioned this before, but the faces our little friends are making, your your little guys are making in here, our little guys can can imitate those kinds of things too. So some really early oral motor targets or some, um, you know, just facial movement um, imitation. And lots of our little guys need to start there when we're teaching them how to imitate. They may be good players with toys, but they don't get, okay, with my body, I can copy those body movements um, that I'm seeing my adult friend make. And so you've done a great job incorporating that as well. Thank you. Yeah, that's, you know, sometimes that's the first part of imitation is to just imitate gestures and imitate movements. So um, that's... That was also captured really well by Jill Breeswick, the illustrator. She she makes it look like there's lots of movement in these cute little drawings. She does. All right. So tell me your experience with parents. How have you? How do you introduce this when you're talking to parents? Give us give us kind of your script. Pretend like that we're the parent in your session. And how would you introduce this? And lots of our okay. new. And and the reason I'm saying this too, Darcy, is so many speech pathologists that are newer will tell me, I didn't know how to really explain that to a parent, so I just listened to your show about whatever, and they'll say, and I said it just like you did, so provide us a little script so that our newer therapists who've never used a book in this way or, or especially talked to a parent about using a book in this way, what kinds of things would they say? Okay, well... What I've done is, in the beginning of the book, there are actually two pages dedicated to how to use the book. So I have, um, there are little little sections. There's model, then encourage, then practice, and then expand and enjoy. Really, just have fun. Have fun with it. 
So, um, you know, the directions in the beginning just tell the parents to just simply read the story with clear speech, just provide a good model. Um, you know what I should mention, too, um, the inventoried sounds that are in the book all appear in the initial position of words with the exception of the ing, the ng sound, which, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't appear in the beginning of words. So <laughs> yeah. that's, in, that's at the end of a word, ring. And right. then the je sound, like as in treasure, that doesn't appear in the beginning uh, position of words. So that's in the middle of a word. But other than that, they're all in the initial positions of the words. So I would just tell the parents, just read the book with clear speech, put a little emphasis on the beginning sounds, and then... Once your child's um, familiar with the text, then encourage them to say the words too. And then keep practicing. Repetition, you know, helps children learn and remember new information. And um, kids really like repetition, I find, because they begin to anticipate what's coming next, and then they they can actively participate. And, um, like you know, like I said before, these phrases can be then incorporated or the sounds into their routines, you know, and eventually... You know, you can use them with the kids yourself, and then. And I think that's so important. That let, let me just yeah. let's talk about that for a second with verbal okay. routines. I think that's huge, and for so many children, will those are the first words that we hear them use on their own. It's the words that they've heard you say over and over and over, or even a little phrase in the context of a little game or a little song or like we're talking about today with a book. And so I think this is a great tool, and I love what you said about what you're talking about next, about expanding um, so that parents can carry over those same little words and same little phrases into a child's daily routine so that they hear it in different contexts and can – really use those words, and again, not just with the books. They can really um, make those words functional, as speech pathologists like to say, so that it becomes part of their daily routine, and it's really really meaningful at that point. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole key is to just, and, you know, even if even if the, the children aren't repeating the words right away or using them right away, this model will be, ma- we'll be mapping it in. So, you know, building it into the receptive language and eventually, you know, when they're ready, they'll start to use them. So it was really important to me to choose words, not only to model the sounds, but to choose the words that they would be first using. Yeah, I think that's great. And so that's our language component. You've talked about the speech component with making sure that you have every sound (laughs) Uh, that we use in English is part of that, but certainly the vocabulary piece or picking out those early words, that's important too. So this isn't just a a speech book. There's a big language component too. Yeah, and then I just wanted to say too, um, on my website, I recently developed um, an inventory chart that correlates with the book. So um, parents can keep track of, you know, which sounds their their child is saying. It's a good little tool. It's not meant to be, you know, a screener or a standardized measure, but it's a nice little inventory chart that a parent could use. You know, if they buy the book, they can download it off my website, and they can just kind of use it, like pick a date, see which sounds your child's saying, check it off, and then maybe, you know, a month later or, you know, after lots of modeling and practicing, Try it again, you know, just to kind of keep track. And this way you'll know, 
it's um, color-coded and it's got age ranges, so it will give them a good idea of where where their child is as far as uh, speech sound development. That's a great, great tool. Now tell us what your website is, Darcy. Okay, the website is makingmouthsounds.com. Okay, great. I'm going to put that on the post about today's show, too. So makingmouthsounds.com. Do you have other information on the website that you want to share with us? Yeah, there there are some... um, there's there's just a little blurb about the book. There's the speech sound inventory. There are a couple of speech sound development charts on there. Um, what I, there's the um, information how um, the book can be purchased. That's great. That was my next question too. So that is great, great information. I'm so glad you told me about the speech chart. You might have mentioned that in your little letter to me too, but I don't, I didn't remember that part either. No, this is no, I didn't. No, this is this is fairly fairly new. So, yeah, I've been, I've just thought that that would be a great little component. I think it's great, and I think it's a great tool for therapists too. I know parents can use it, but you know, in this in our data driven world, it would be a, a nice tool for a therapist to use and again I appreciate you said it's not a screener it's not really a standardized or formal measure but we all love when we have a therapy activity when you've done the hard work for us and we can download that little tracking sheet and use that as one of our therapy activities week after week after week and again thanks so much for sharing that I didn't realize that you had a website Darcy is the do you have your website on your book? I don't remember seeing that on your book. Is that um, listed? Yeah, or is that it's, let me just. Um, it is. Okay. It is. Let me see. Yes, it's on. It's on the title page. Oh, not the title page. It's on the copyright page. Okay. I guess I just missed that too. So I'm so glad <laughs> that you mentioned that. And makingmouthsounds.com and speechologist. Uh, and parents can get it there. Now, is it only sold on your website, Darcy? No, it can be purchased on Amazon in paperback and um, Kindle form. And it cool. can be purchased on um, barnesandnoble.com in the paperback and for the Nook. Good for you, Darcy. Well, this is, is this your first project? Is this your first it uh, is. Product. Well, you have done a great job, and I just want to say as somebody who writes for therapists and produces for therapists, this is really a quality project, and sometimes those of us in verse to three don't have as many materials like this available, so keep producing things for us because it, you've done a great, great job with that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, know, you for the opportunity you- to talk about it. Oh, you're welcome. And I think at the beginning, I didn't even say, tell us about yourself, Darcy, where you practice, <coughs> excuse me, where you live. I think I just skipped oh, right sure. over that intro part. I was excited to get to the book. I'm sorry uh, about that. Well, I'm a, a licensed speech-language pathologist, and I practice in New York in the Hudson Valley, the beautiful Hudson Valley. And um, mm-hmm. I work with a, lots of different ages. Like this project really is geared towards, uh, we call it early intervention here, but it's like birth to yeah. three. Um, I also so I work with that population. I work with preschoolers, and I also uh, teach in an elementary school, uh, kindergarten to fifth grade. 
So, wow. So you've got a full yeah. range of children that you serve. And I, lo- I love again, it. I love all the different, all the different levels. They're just fantastic. I well, do. I really specialize in those in early intervention in that birth to three, birth to four segment. And again, we don't always get great products that really are specifically targeted to our youngest little clients. So keep producing new things for us to use in therapy. You've, you've had a great uh, launch here, and I just wish you continued success. Thank you so much. And the next time you publish something else, write me, email me back, and we'll have you back on so you can talk about okay, it. Okay, great. I'd love okay. to. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Darcy. All right, so Darcy did a great job talking about um, her book and books like this, making, and again, the title of that was Making Mouth Sounds All Day Long, and you can get it on her website at makingmouthsounds.com. It's really easy to use a book in this way. Now, sometimes therapists kind of skip all the other strategies that we talked about in show number 199 and show number 201. Um, but And I don't want you to do that unless the child is really developmentally ready, meaning that their um, expressive language is their primary issue at this point. So let me just continue to talk about other ways that we can use books to facilitate those easy early vocalizations. Now, um so many times we need to remind parents as we're reading the book that we don't have to stick to the traditional text so that we're going to talk about the pictures and use words that really aren't even real words yet. And when we're doing that with those little play sounds or with exclamatory words, what we're really trying to do is target an easy, earlier um vocalization than we would with a child when we're using lots and lots of real words. Now, I've written a whole book about this topic called Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers. And the gist of that book and the theory, here it goes, in one sentence, there are so many young toddlers who are just not yet developmentally ready to imitate real words. But when we meet them where they are and when we introduce those easier target through those easier little words, they are successful. And as a speech pathologist, you might think what I'm talking about here is just doing some simple syllable shapes like ma and pa and duh or those kinds of things, but that's not really what I want us to do. I want us to take words or utterances that are more fun, more functional, and more um, developmentally appropriate by using specific play sounds and exclamatory words. Now, books are a great, great way to elicit these kinds of early verbal imitations, but you have to read the book often enough so that the text becomes predictable, like Darcy was talking about. It becomes what we call a verbal routine, and that means the child hears the same sounds, the same easy words over and over and over again so that he can begin to anticipate that word. He knows what's coming next. And when he's ready, when you've done a really good job of setting it up, the top will begin to fill in that blank. Or when you pause, when you say something like, take something from Darcy's book, 
She gave us a great example. There's a, a page where the little girl is climbing up the ladder at the playground for the slide, and she the text says, up, up, up. And then when the little girl, the next page, the little girl's sliding down, what we would do in this situation is read the first part and say, up, 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 and then do the big inhalation where you're kind of almost gasping a little bit and you're using your face, looking at your little friend and using your, it's your turn to talk face and you're looking excited and you're almost sitting there just, you know, waiting with bated breath so that he or she will fill in the next word, which would be down. So you're really going to use what we call call the closed method there and so it's a super super way to elicit sometimes what we are hearing um, our very first kinds of vocalizations that we hear from our little friends all right let me give you some examples of books that i use for this purpose in therapy the first one is called chugga chugga choo choo and it is a cute cute book about trains now so many of our little friends are just crazy about trains but they only know about choo-choo's or have only been exposed to choo-choo's in the context of Thomas. So I don't really like any of the Thomas books. So if I have a little guy who likes trains, I'll use this kind of book um, because I know that the vocabulary is going to be more appropriate and at the correct developmental level. Some of those Thomas books just use vocabulary that's so complex and the sentence structure again is well above what we should be using with our little guys who are late talkers and so we can certainly you can use the Thomas book and you can modify the text as you go but if you need more um, if you need a book that's a better idea and a better way to use it chuck a chuck a choo choo is a super one and I ordered my copy off Amazon and so um, you'll you'll need to modify the words, again, if you're using a, a book like Thomas, but for this book that you want, and no matter what book you're using for trains, you're going to want to make sure that you're targeting, again, not only the word choo-choo, but more importantly, the easy play sound that you use for trains. Sometimes people say, you know, woo-woo or choo-choo, I use the woo-woo because I think that's a lot easier. Some of our little guys don't really even get the first consonant sound there and just start to hear an ooh or an ooh-ooh, and that's okay. And I'm going to model that play sound over and over and over, not only as we play with real trains, but also as I introduce a book like this. And this would be a great way to really – get a kid's attention or hook a child into reading a book who doesn't normally like to use books. And we've talked about that in previous shows. Lots of our little guys with developmental delays don't enjoy reading as a primary activity, so you've got to meet them where they are and introduce a book with a topic that they would like. And, again, trains are just a winner. And so you'll want to model that play sound over and over and over as you're playing with the real trains and also as you're reading this kind of book to them. You know, and you may let a child hold the train as you're reading a book like this together. And again, what you want to do is just model, 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 and then wait and give a child to the opportunity to fill in and to begin to imitate 
that sound as you're reading and playing together. All right, for a child who's beginning to imitate several of these kinds of words, a great way to expand this skill is using a book that has more than one kind of word like this um, as the target. And if we're talking about exclamatory words here, and these are words that, again, that we exclaim or that we yell a little bit or used with emphasis like woohoo and yay and wee and uh-oh or whoops or anything like that. So the next little phase is to pick a book that you can model those kinds of vocalizations. And again, Darcy introduced her book today and she had some great, great inclusions of those kinds of exclamatory words. But a book that I like to use for this goal is called Little Blue Truck. Now, this book is really, really cute, and it involves farm animals. So what I would do is collect all the different farm animals to match the ones in the book and use that together. And what I like to do with this kind of activity in a therapy session is use it either just before we play with uh, farm animals or more often after we've played with the farm animals together. Another way that you might use this book is to make a sensory box about the book using dirt or sand to represent the mud that's in the picture and then act out the book. And again, you could do that either way. If you have a kid who likes books, who isn't such a great player, or even if they do like to play, you might use the book as your introductory activity here so that you read the book and then it leads to the play activity. But again, for so many of our little guys, they don't enjoy books. So what you'll probably need to do is introduce the play part first where you have your Rubbermaid box and you filled it with your dirt or sand or whatever is your filler there so that you can have that ready for the truck and for the animals. And again, the purpose here, our, our speak language goal, it's going to be to elicit imitations of exclamatory words. So you would read the book, read the text, and those easy early little play sounds are right in there. And I, I love this book. Little Blue Truck just has so much potential for therapy. You could use it for the previous receptive language goals that we talked about back in show number 201. You could modify it a little bit um, at the activities that we talked about in show number 199 where we're photocopying some of the pictures from the book and we use it for, for some matching activities. So, again, great, great uh, tool for you to use for this kind of therapy activity. And you can use it over several sessions because there are just multiple ideas um, for what you could do. I could probably do a whole show alone on how to use Little Blue Truck <laughs> in a therapy session, but take a look at that book if you've not gotten it. And again, I believe I ordered mine from Amazon.com, but it's a classic book. All the animal scent farm animals are in there with all their cute little animal sounds. And again, that, that truck is very, very cute, and the text is repetitive, so you're not going to have to think too hard when you're playing together. So a super, super activity that Every kid I've used it with, it's been a winner with. So get your hands on a copy of that book. All right, the next book that I want to talk about is very similar. And this would be what I would call our ultimate therapy book for targeting this kind of easy early play sound. And I've talked about this book on the show before, and I've talked about it in my conferences and highly, highly recommend it. It is called 
The Big Book of Exclamations. It is a fabulous book, and it was written and designed by a speech pathologist. I had her on my show early on when she first launched the book, um, and she's a she's a great therapist, and she did a good job like Darcy was really thinking about how we teach parents to use these kinds of books. And you can get it at bigbookofexclamations.com. But let me talk to you about it. It, it's a great book, like Darcy's was, with um, eliciting those early imitations of play sounds. And I love it because the instructions are written right there for parents. And it's so great, especially for those parents who really are having difficulty knowing how to simplify a book for a toddler with language delays. And really great because the, the instructions are there and the text is there. And so if you struggled with parents with getting them to have targets before real words, meaning that you want them to include a lot of uh uh-ohs and yays and yippies and all those little fun exclamatory words, but they're they're not quite there yet or they don't remember them or they need a little bit more guidance, this book is a super, super tool to introduce um, to them. So get your hands on that if if you don't have it as well. And that one was supposed to be out in – cardboard or hard hard book rather than paper pages. I, I get a little crazy when kids tear my paper page books. So I haven't checked to see if Big Book of Exclamations is a board book yet, but last time I talked to Terry, she was, or read about Terry, um, she was working on that. So if you don't have that in your therapy bag, that's certainly something that I would recommend that you check out. Now, the last repetitive book that I want to share is a classic, and it is probably the most used book in speech therapy sessions ever and in traditional preschool and even kindergarten. And do you know what I'm going to say? Do you know what book it is? It's Brown Bear, Brown Bear. Now, many parents own this book, and so you'll already have it in a home. Or if you don't have that book, that's certainly something that you should go to Target or Walmart today. And get yourself a copy of Brown Bear. There are so many things that you can do with that little book. But the way that I use it most often in speech therapy is to turn the story in the book into a verbal routine. And again, how do we do that? That means we read the book over and over and over again, and we teach a child the target sign or word. And I've used this book, again, for teaching both the sign and the word for the little, um, the word that comes at the end of the predictable sentence there. And, you know, you all can quote it with me. (laughs) Brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? I see a goldfish or whatever comes next. Or duck looking at me. And again, me is your target there. Now, if you have a child who's nonverbal and you want to use this to target a sign, I've done this so successfully with lots and lots and lots of children. And the sign that I use for me is just placing my open hand on my chest, and I make a real, really big deal about saying, you know, I see a, whatever it is, green frog looking at me. And you exaggerate that word, and as you're doing that, you'll also use the sign. Now, if the child doesn't begin to try to use the sign 
or place his own hand on his little chest, help him do it. Reach over and grab his little hand and put it right there on his chest and help him pat his own little chest. If you're working with a mom or a grandmother or someone else who's participating in the session, you'll have them model the sign as well and provide some physical assistance so that your little client can imitate that sign too. But just a super way to elicit that sign, and then hopefully that sign will turn into the word me. Now, you can certainly adapt the book Brown Bear in all of the previous ways that we talked about in show number 199 and 201. I also have a version of Brown Bear um, that I bought at Target last summer, and I love this version of the book because it's cardboard, but it has this great sliding feature so that it makes the book really, really interactive. So the the next animal that's coming up is behind a little cardboard door, and the child has to use his index finger to slide the door, put his little finger there, and move the door over. So it's a great, great feature. And again, lots of children like to participate in that kind of book or, or like that book more because they can participate. There's something for them to do. There's a little job there. It's not as boring to them as just looking at the pictures and reading the words. So check out that version of Brown Bear 2. So in summary for this activity, for activity number nine, using books to facilitate easy early vocalizations, we're going to look for books that offer plenty of opportunities for those kinds of words. And again, we're looking for play sounds. And exclamatory words. And play sounds might be any kind of little sound effect there with an animal sound or a car truck noise or just any kind of little sound. <laughs> Even something like um, when a horse walks, you could click your tongue like <coughs> any little um, sound that would entice a young child's attention is going to be a great, great way and a great, great, great uh, target for you to start with with our little guys who are late talkers. And so many of our little clients with speech language delays really need this in-between step before they're ready for real words. So if you're a speech pathologist and you've been or a parent of one of these little guys, and you've been working on real words like more and milk and all done and mama and please and bye-bye and dada and you're getting nowhere, <laughs> let me suggest that you back up and work on those play sounds and on those exclamatory words first because they are easier to produce. And, again, the attention factor is there because those are words that are a little bit unusual and novel. So that's why children might be a little more apt to repeat those first rather than those more complex real words. So take a look at using a book in that way. Exclamatory words and play sounds work so well for those kids. And, again, because they're fun, they're functional, and they're actually uh, developmentally appropriate and more so than even working on sounds in isolation or working on those consonant vowel syllables or those nonsense words. So Take a look. Um, take a look at that. All right. Last, the very last activity, activity number ten, is a strategy that I also use all the time, and it's an expressive strategy as well. And this is when we use counting books 
for establishing verbal routines and for sequencing practice. And I love this way to use books and speech therapy. And again, I've used it for years and years and years. And what we're going to be doing is repurposing those counting books. And you probably already have several counting books. And by counting, I mean books that focus on numbers so that on the first page there might be a picture of one ball and on the second page there might be a picture of two dogs and on the third page there might be three blocks and so uh, we're not going to use the book in that way what we're really going to do is um, a strategy that's so helpful for specific skill practice especially for children with motor planning issues or apraxia and these are children who need help learning to recall and say words with a lot less effort, and they have to practice the sequencing piece, again, with single words before they're ever ready to move on to combine words into phrases. So many children with apraxia or that motor planning difficulty struggle when they're first learning to imitate and use words. So books can really provide extra practice for their new language skills. And my favorite way to use books in this way are at two really specific points in therapy or when children are at two different developmental levels. First of all, it's with a child who is just beginning to use a new word. And so again, brand new talker. And then again, I like to pull these books back out when a child is making that transition from using single words to learn to produce phrases. So you can use it at, at two really specific times in therapy. And counting books are just great for this kind of practice because they show multiple pictures of the same object. So let's just talk about how we would do this. So for a child who's learning a new word, what we will do is take a counting book and we're going to set up a verbal routine or again kind of that what we talked about already using that close method or that completion method. So you'll take your book and rather than counting the dogs on the page, let's say that we have four dogs there, Rather than counting one, two, three, four, we're going to name the object several times, and I like to point to the picture as we do it. This is very a very deliberate way to set it up so that the child can taste and can anticipate, and you can really do a nice job of making your voice sing-songing and very patterned. And again, when we add that... <laughs> That gestural component, that pointing to picture by picture by picture, we do a nice job of uh, really setting up a situation where a child might be able to really pop out a word that we've never heard before. And so, again, rather than counting one, two, three, four for those dogs, we'll say dog, 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 dog. And we do it in the same way every time. So then when we get to the page for blocks, so let's say we're going on to the next page and we have five blocks and we're modeling block, 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 block. And you'll have to read the book enough times so that the child becomes really familiar with uh, what you are labeling there. I love the Roger Pretty books for this. Uh, there's a Happy Baby book that I use for this kind of practice all the time. And again, you want to make sure that you are using a page with um, more than one picture there. You're going to lean forward and 
provide your modeling. Let's say that we're using babies, and we're going to wait expectantly for the child to fill in the last word or the last um, picture as we point. So let's say we have three babies on the page. Again, we'll say baby, baby, baby. And don't forget to do your little pause there because eventually we want the child to be able to jump in there after you've looked at him, after you, you have your waiting expectantly face on so that he might try to jump in there and fill in the word. And again, I've used that strategy so successfully with children, particularly for children who already like books and who already want to participate, but we've never made it really simple enough for them to be able to do that. So that's a super, super strategy that I hope that you'll be able to use uh, with your little clients or if you're a mom or dad <laughs> with your own child. All right, the second way to use the same kind of book, this counting book, where we're modifying it and, and saying the name of the object rather than counting is when a child is needing practice sequencing words so that he's eventually able to combine syllables so that he's producing phrases. And this, again, is more common when children are moved from single words um, to combining words on their own to make phrases. So in this situation, we'll get a child started with the rhythm of naming their pictures, but he'll say the word with you each time. And again, this isn't for a new talker. We wouldn't expect a child... Uh, to be there yet, we're going to use, uh, for children who are minimally verbal, we're going to use that first strategy. This is for children who are already talking who, again, are having some difficulty learning to use some phrases. They're using lots of single words on their own, but they're not at that phrase level yet. And so these children do imitate on command, and they, if you're a therapist, you've worked with them for a while, or if you're a mom or dad, this is, again, a child who's been talking for a while, but we need to give them some additional practice with sequencing so that, uh, again, it's in preparation for using phrases. So what we'll do is we'll get the child to say the words with us as we are naming those pictures. So let's say we're using a book about cars. We're going to, together, hey, let's do it together. Come on. What is it? Come on. Let's say it. Car, car, car. And the theory behind this is it's easier for the child to say the same words or the same sequence of sounds. It's very predictable. You're using not a new word, but a word he already knows. And then it's easier for him to establish that sequencing piece and get that new motor plan with a couple of words in a row than it would be for combining two completely different words to make a phrase. Do you understand what I'm saying there? So instead of getting a child to say more car or car please, these are the children that are, or car go or, or you know, stop car, whatever your target's been. You've had a kid who's had a hard time doing that. You would back up and just get him to, to label these pictures and say car, 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 and get a couple of those um vocalizations or those words in a row before you're going to hear those completely different words. And again, the theory here is that you're giving them sequencing practice. And the same syllable is going to be easier than, again, completely different words. So I hope that makes sense to you. And that's a strategy that I've used, again, very successfully for lots and lots and lots of children who are having difficulty with that motor planning piece. And particularly when they're 
trying to combine words. And these are children, too. You might have kids who already do this. If you're working on a word like um, or a phrase, your target is more please, and they say to you more, more, or please, please. They're telling you, okay, I can get it when it's the same word, but I can't get it when I have to change it. So for those kinds of kids, you might back up and, and really focus on those pages that have three and four pictures so that you're labeling ball, 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 and they learn how to sequence those syllables even longer sequences of that before you would expect them to be able to do a keyword phrase. And I hope I've explained that well enough so that you understand why we use that strategy, when we use that strategy, and how we would use that. Okay, I want you to choose your counting book very carefully when you're using this strategy because you have to look for pictures with easy, familiar target words. And be sure that you're doing that and not just picking out, you know, any, any random counting book where the words might be too difficult. Like, say, there's, a, you know, lots of pictures of balloons or motorcycles or even something like star because we have those, you know, that ST at the beginning, those consonants together, and that R, that final R. That might n not make that the best target word for you to use. So pay some attention to what the pictures are so that you can be sure that those words are easy enough and familiar enough. Now, again, uh, my very favorite book for this is also by Roger Pretty. Um, I love the little books for the, his books for the purpose because the objects are spread out a little. So we can really, even a child can point to the pictures and get the whole sequencing piece. I also like it because his book again, have easy vocabulary, functional vocabulary like sock and duck and fish. And I also like that I don't have a target word for every single page because it takes the pressure off a toddler. And so what we might do is use this strategy for one page in the book and then we're flipping the next page and we're not really naming. I think the next picture that comes um, in this particular book, the butterfly, so I would never have a toddler try to say butterfly, butterfly, butterfly. You know, that's more like a tongue twister. So we can just talk about the butterflies at that point. Um, and then the next page might be another target for us. So, again, I like to even think about that when I'm looking for therapy material so that everything is not so in their face, that we give them a little breathing room even within the context of one therapy activity. All right, when you're doing home visits with families, be sure to look at their existing books and teach them how to use this strategy. I've used this trick for counting books for a long, long time with lots of different toddlers with tons of success, and it is a much better way to use these kinds of books than teaching a child how to count. Don't you think so? I do. All right, let's look at one last strategy. And I have, I forgot that this was even on here, but let me mention technologically advanced books. Now, in, uh, in a, a little show about books, it would be a real oversight not to mention all the technologies that we have available with books now. In its simplest form, we can talk about sound books. Now, most of the time, toddlers that I've worked with become so distracted by those kinds of bells and whistles in books that they perseverate or they you know, constantly repeat, pushing the button over and over and over. So then no learning goes on. So I don't really use books or use a book like this with a child that I think will get stuck 
and that we won't be able to move on and do anything else. But occasionally, you will find, <coughs> excuse me, a sound book that's pretty good. Uh, one that I found that I like that's been a hit with several different children is called Let's Talk. And again, it's another Roger Pretty book. And I always use it first for receptive language and early picture identification because it's so reinforcing and I can get the child moving along. Uh, and then on the very last page of that kind of book, I really use it to assess a child's ability to scan the page and point to the correct picture on request. And so again, this is a sound book, so it has buttons with corresponding pictures to uh, different pages in the book. And I think that little book, I've always seen it at Walmart. It's a really popular one there, and it's called Let's Talk. There's another one called Colors and Numbers, and again, I don't focus on those early academic skills, so I don't have those, but I do like the one called Let's Talk because the vocabulary is really, really good. You can also adapt this book for the earlier activities that I mentioned in show number 199 and show number 201. And the child can, again, if the child is nonverbal and you're working with some other AAC devices, this might be a good uh, therapy activity to just throw in there and use together. Now, for other book options, you may also be thinking about online books or other devices like a Kindle or an iPad. And again, that is fine if you want to use a device like that as a way to introduce a book or to hook a child's attention. And I have lots of posts and lots of uh, links on um, books like this on my Pinterest pages on teachingtotalk.com Pinterest account. So look for the board there called Making Books Better for Toddlers. Now, I don't use a ton of these in therapy, and again, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you'll know that I'm not a huge fan of using an iPad or a tablet or anything like that, but I found one that I actually do love because it's so sweet. It's a YouTube video, and it's of Susan Sarandon reading Goodnight Noon, and I'll post the link because it's such a sweet little rendition of this really classic book. So it's one that I have used occasionally, and uh, again, I find it really, really nurturing, especially if a child likes the book, and, we, and we've already kind of established that reading along together, and, and that's not a brand new activity. Now, just because we have all of these fancy options now that are really new, I do not think we should discard using traditional books with toddlers and young children. We should certainly, certainly be teaching parents how to use a book at home. And again, it may not be our primary teaching method with children with language delays, but we certainly can use the book to reinforce the language skills that we're working on in therapy. And I hope that over the last three shows, and again, I'm going to repeat the numbers one more time, just in case you've not gotten to Listen to those other shows yet. In part number one, it was show number 199, and in part number two was show number 201. And I hope that you'll be able to take these strategies and really use books in different ways with uh, children with language delays, and especially for children who don't seem to like books yet or who don't understand books. And certainly the strategies that we talked about today are just perfect for our little friends who are nonverbal but just right on the verge of beginning to imitate, especially with those 
easy early targets that we talked about with play sounds and with exclamatory words. Now, again, if that theory is new for you, if you've never thought about words like animal sounds or little exclamatory words like, again, you know, yay and woohoo or, you know, just any little word you say like that, if you've not used that as a formal therapy goal, let me beg you to do it. Because it's a huge step, and so many of our kiddos need it. And, again, you can find the theory for all of that and really specific instructions for how to introduce those kinds of words in my book, Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers. And all of that information can be found on my website at teachmetotalk.com. So this is a really fun series for me to do on the podcast, and I want to I take one more opportunity to thank Darcy Clayton for joining me today. She's a wonderful guest, and I hope that you'll check out her website and her book. And I also want to give one more plug for the big book of exclamations. It's something you should carry with you in your therapy bag every single day. (laughs) And uh, it's a tool that I think that you'll really, really, really enjoy. All right, that's all for this week. I hope you'll join me next week with uh, Teach Me to Talk and Podcast. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Bye-bye.